Hello everyone, welcome to the Questioning Pornography podcast. This is your host, Lily, and for today's Research Highlight episode, we are looking at a 2021 qualitative study by David Fernandez. The title is The Pornography Rebooting Experience. This study conducts an analysis of public journals from the online forum Reboot Nation, which is where people who are struggling with self-perceived porn addiction or porn-induced problems track their experiences of trying to abstain from porn to recover from those problems. Most of you will probably be familiar already with Reboot Nation, both because it's it's much more well-known than the Questioning Pornography podcast, and also because I was very fortunate to interview Gabe, the founder of Reboot Nation, earlier on in one of my episodes. So I'm definitely a fan of what Gabe does with Reboot Nation. From what I've seen, I think he's having a very positive impact on the lives of many people who access his resources. So I'm, I'm excited to dig into that impact further with this study. And in addition to being a fan of Gabe, I have to say I'm quite a fan of this David Fernandez, the author of the study as well. We had a few lovely email exchanges in preparation for this episode. And in addition to being very friendly and generous with his time and answering my questions and whatnot, he, he also exhibited some really high standards for being intellectually responsible in research and intellectually honest, which, which I think is just so important in a category of research that can get as polarized as, as research on pornography and where it's, it's often very tempting to skew data to fit one's preconceived notions, whether those preconceived notions be for or against pornography. I think it probably happens on both sides. So I was I was really pleased to see, yeah, that high bar for intellectual honesty and and making responsible claims on the side of David Fernandez. And I think that I know there are some people who listen to my podcast who are also very interested in keeping tabs on what new pornography research comes out. And I think we're probably going to want to keep a close eye on on Fernandez and, and what he puts out, because it's probably going to be very great and very solid. All right, well, that all said, let's get into the study. So a word first about qualitative studies for anyone who isn't familiar with that term. Qualitative studies are about gathering non-numerical data. So it's often to get insight into how people experience a phenomenon. So in this case, Fernandez's study was aimed at getting insight into three things. Number one, what motivated members of Reboot Nation to abstain from pornography. Number two, what the abstinence experience was like for members. And number three, how members made sense of their experiences. And then a couple notes about Fernandez's methods. So as mentioned, the data was collected from public journals on the Reboot Nation forum. So rather than interviewing members, for example, he simply observed what those people had already written about their experiences. And he coded that data using what he calls a bottom-up strategy. So the bottom-up strategy is it's to say that rather than imposing preconceived codes on the data set, he developed codes based on what themes and patterns naturally emerged. And I think that's I think that's probably a good way to do it. I think it helps avoid ways that data could be subtly and not even necessarily intentionally twisted a little bit to to fit the preconceived ideas of the researcher. So that's cool. And then in terms of what he found, 
when it comes to the question of what motivated people to abstain from pornography, there were a variety of problems that members experienced, which they believed to be porn-induced and which consequently motivated their abstinence. So if you've been following this podcast for some time, most of these probably won't surprise you as the findings have been mirrored in other studies we've discussed and also have been touched on in some of our interviews. Uh, The three main problems reported in these public journals from the Reboot Nation Forum were, first of all, perceived addiction to pornography. This was often accompanied by a sense of compulsivity or loss of control, uh, distress over feeling powerless, and also uh, an experience of desensitization or tolerance, which, as we've explained before, is when porn consumers kind of become numbed to types of content that they used to watch, such that they no longer find it arousing, and as a consequence, they need to escalate towards more extreme content in order to to get that same high. Uh, The second problem was sexual difficulties, which the members attributed to their porn use. We heard Gabe's story, for example, of porn-induced erectile dysfunction, where his sexual arousal response became so conditioned to pornography that he couldn't be aroused or get an erection without it. And even when he was with a gorgeous girl that he was in love with and very attracted to, there there was no erection for partnered sex because it just, it didn't fit his brain's conditioning to pornography. So that erectile dysfunction was one form that these sexual difficulties took in the study. And they also included things like decreased desire for partnered sex or generally lower sensitivity or responsiveness to sexual stimuli. And then the third main problem was a whole variety of negative mental health or social health consequences, which members attributed to their porn use. So this included things like depression, anxiety, emotional numbness, or an inability to feel pleasure. Uh, It's been theorized that porn can numb your pleasure response not only to sexual stimuli, but also to other sources of pleasure and enjoyment as well, which I suspect is where that emotional numbness and inability to feel pleasure is is coming from. And then in terms of those social consequences, members reported a decreased sense of connection with others, being less interested in other people, becoming self-absorbed, and a, a deterioration of relationships, both with romantic partners, certainly, and then also sometimes family members. It's also notable here when we're talking about motivations for abstinence that only a small number of members, specifically 11 out of the 104, which comprise the sample, uh, only that small percentage expressed moral disapproval of pornography. And an even smaller number, only four out of the 104, explicitly cited their moral disapproval as a reason for initiating the rebooting experience. So, So that is the abstinence attempt. The reason why I find this noteworthy is because the idea is often tossed around that the only thing which causes people to perceive porn-induced problems is their moral disapproval of pornography, and that if people would just relax and recognize porn as a normal thing, then they wouldn't experience these porn-induced problems in their lives anymore. Specifically, there's a 2019 paper by uh, Joshua Grubbs, which is often cited to argue this point. 
digging into that topic is on my list of things to explore for this podcast at at some point. There's so much I want to get through. Um, but I know there was a later 2021 paper on the same topic whose findings didn't really line up with Grubbs. So we'll hopefully dig into that question of, you know, moral incongruence causing causing the problems. We'll hopefully dig into that soon. But in the meantime, I found it interesting to note that, at least for the Reboot Nation community, moral disapproval of pornography did not seem to be a big thing. <laughs> okay. So that more or less summarizes what Fernandez found with respect to motivations for abstinence. In terms of what the abstinence experience was like for members and how they interpreted their experience, there are quite a few interesting things here. One finding which I think is really important to acknowledge is that oftentimes abstinence was so challenging that it seemed to members to be impossible. More than half of the members experienced at least one relapse during their abstinence attempt. And I know from talking to many people who, who've striven and succeeded in quitting pornography that relapses were part of their journey as well. But the good news is that, again, based on the data Fernandez collected, abstinence did prove to be achievable with the right resources. We'll get into that in a bit, but First, let's cover some specific challenges that members faced during their abstinence attempt, which which made things so difficult. One challenge was just the, the virtual inescapability of triggers or cues that made them vulnerable to relapses to porn. So these triggers could include things like, you know, pervasive sexual content in pretty much all forms of media, TV, YouTube, social media feeds, etc., even just attractive people sometimes served as a trigger for certain members. But in addition to triggers that are obviously related to sex drive, what's interesting to note, and again mirrors other things I've, I've read or experiences I've heard, is that there were non-sexual triggers as well. So even things like being alone could be a trigger, as was seen in this study, since one often consumes porn when they're alone, right? I, I've I've heard other examples, not necessarily in this study, but in my other reading, of just, for example, seeing one's electronic devices can be a trigger. Basically, anything that's associated with a porn consumption habit in some way, a person's brain can end up interpreting as a cue to go back and engage in that habit, especially if they're addicted or experiencing compulsive pornography use. The other things that Fernandez found was that internal states could be triggers. So, for example, negative emotions or withdrawal symptoms made it very, very tempting to go back to porn as a way of self-medicating and momentarily feeling better. So that was one thing that made it super challenging for members was just how it was virtually impossible to escape triggers and cues for, for porn relapses. And then in addition to that, Two other interesting challenges that faced members were what the Reboot community calls the chaser effect and the flat line. Gabe has some great YouTube videos on both the chaser effect and the flat line, which I'll link in my show notes for anyone who's interested. But very briefly, the chaser effect is when following orgasm of any kind, even when it's not from pornography, so think partnered sex or masturbation without porn, Uh, A rebooter is hit with especially strong cravings for porn after that orgasm. And for this reason, 
some members decided it would be most beneficial to abstain from orgasm completely for the first stretch of their reboot while they were perhaps at their most vulnerable. But other members also found that abstaining from orgasm completely made abstinence more difficult as there was so much built up sexual tension that it was tempting to go to porn to release. And I know also from Gabe's videos and other sources that engaging in partnered sex can be very helpful for some people in rewiring the brain to be aroused by a real person rather than a computer screen. So I don't think there's necessarily one clear answer there and some things seem to work differently for different rebooters. Okay, so that's the chaser effect and the flat line is when for a period of time, rebooting causes a decrease in sexual desire and responsiveness. So recall that for many members, abstinence was motivated by a belief that porn was causing them sexual difficulties, including decreased desire for partnered sex and decreased sens sexual sensitivity and responsiveness. And the hope, of course, was that abstaining from pornography would, would heal that. <laughs> so you can imagine the discouragement that such members would feel if they hit the flat line and experienced a decrease in sexual desire and responsiveness instead of an increase as they were hoping. And many at that point were very tempted to go back to pornography, if only to check if they could still function sexually, was what the study was saying. However, if you watch Gabe's content on the flat line, the good news is that it doesn't last forever. <laughs> it's just an unfortunate period that rebooters sometimes need to get through. And as we'll see in a moment in Fernandez's study, members did ultimately report an increase in sexual desire and responsiveness as a result of their abstinence from pornography, if they persisted. So I hope people won't be too discouraged by the flat line if that's something anyone is experiencing as they're trying to quit porn. Okay, so we saw uh, some of those specific challenges that rebooters can face during their abstinence attempt. And we saw that sometimes abstinence can be so difficult that rebooters think it's impossible. But now we'll delve into the next section of the study where rebooters ultimately found that abstinence was achievable, despite the difficulty. And again, it's if they make use of the right resources. So those resources usually had to be a combination of what Fernandez calls external resources and internal resources. External resources included things like porn blocking software. Uh, the Reboot Nation forum, obviously, was, was the most commonly cited resource by the members. Uh, and then other sources of social support as well. So family members, partners, friends, support groups. And accountability also played a key role in helping people kick their addiction, which again tracks what I've seen elsewhere. Accountability, as I understand it, usually takes the form of telling another person or a group of people what your goal is so that they can kind of hold you to it. And then you report back on your progress, whether that progress is successful or unsuccessful. I know I recently heard um, <laughs> a funny comment on a podcast I was listening to about why accountability works so well for porn addictions. The, the podcast host was just talking about his friend using him as an accountability partner for quitting porn. And he said something along the lines of, nothing kills your boner more than knowing you're going to have to tell me about what you watched and what you did afterwards. You don't want to be thinking about me while you're sticking your hands down your pants. <laughs> so, you know, just a funny comment, but also potentially insightful. 
And Fernandez also notes that for many members, the Reboot Nation form itself served as a sufficient source of accountability since there was a sense of like a public commitment being made in the presence of the Reboot Nation community that they could then kind of informally hold you accountable to. Okay, so those are external resources. Internal resources were basically mental strategies or behavioral strategies to assist with abstinence. So this included things like meditating, exercising, keeping busy, maintaining a healthy sleep pattern, socializing and going out more often, and notably doing something else in the moment of a craving, like taking a cold shower or or writing in their journal. It's, it's important to note that just trying to will away thoughts about pornography did not work for the majority of members and actually was counterproductive. So for example, one member says, and I quote, I think I need to find a different strategy than don't think about PMO, don't think about PMO, don't think about PMO. That makes me crazy and gets me to thinking about PMO. PMO, by the way, for anyone who doesn't know, stands for porn masturbation orgasm. So that makes sense that just saying, you know, when you say don't think about a black elephant, you're going to think about a black elephant. Um, Do black elephants even exist? I don't know. Anyway, um, so that makes sense. But it seems that that's a trap that a lot of people fall into. So by all means, take note of that if you're listening to this and currently struggling with a problematic porn habit yourself. Okay, so I said that the good news was abstinence was achievable with the right resources. The other good news was that abstinence was rewarding if people persisted with it. Despite how difficult it was, most members found that the reboot experience was worth it and brought a variety of different benefits and recovery from those problems that we previously described. So members reported regaining control, no longer being subject to that that distressing compulsivity that I mentioned, also improving in, in mental health, improved ability to enjoy other things in life, so that general numbness and lack of pleasure going away, improved ability to function in day-to-day life, thanks to heightened mental clarity, more energy, more focus, more confidence, etc. They also reported social benefits, like improved relationship quality, again, certainly romantic relationships, but also other social relationships and connections as well. And then an improved sex life coming from increased desire for and enjoyment of partnered sex, increased responsiveness to sexual stimuli, as I previously alluded to, and improvement in erectile difficulties. In the case of the erectile difficulties, Fernandez's data showed that half of the men who reported erectile difficulties later reported improvement as a result of their abstinence. And considering the other half who did not report improvement, it's possible that their erectile difficulties were not porn-induced and due to other factors after all. But I also suspect that, at least for some of those men, they may just have not given themselves enough time to heal. The reason why I suspect this is because the average duration of abstinence attempts seem to be pretty short Uh, in relation to how long it sometimes takes people to heal from erectile difficulties. For example, I know for Gabe it took about nine months, and I've heard of other cases where it's taken over a year. Fernandez 
wasn't able to measure the actual duration of abstinence attempts, but he was able to get a a vague sense of it based on the dates of posts. So of course, it's it's totally possible that some members continued to abstain after the date of their last post, but just just didn't post on the forum anymore. So we need to keep that in mind when interpreting the data. But based on the dates of posts, he calculated an inferred length of abstinence attempts and found that the majority ranged from 7 to 30 days. And this calculation also didn't take into account relapses. So again, based on other people's experiences, it often does unfortunately take much longer than 30 days to heal from porn-induced erectile difficulties, especially if there are a lot of relapses. So that's why I'm speculating that some of those guys who didn't see improvement may have seen improvement if they stuck with it longer. All right, so that more or less wraps up what I found to be especially interesting points about the study. There's, of course, always more to it than just what I summarize, and I always uh, link the studies in the show notes if anyone wants to check them out themselves. But thank you once again for tuning into our research highlights, and I hope you come back. Our next episode, by the way, I have recently switched to releasing episodes every two weeks instead of every week, just in case people were wondering. Um, So our next episode in two weeks will be an interview with Dr. John Fobert, and we're talking about the intersection between pornography and sexual violence, which is something I've, I've really grappled with myself and had a lot of questions about, so I was able to pose a lot of those tougher questions to Dr. John Fobert, and we were kind of able to wrestle through them. So stay tuned for that in two weeks, and thanks again for coming here to learn. Have a great day.